Reading in Church, a proud partner with Audible.com. Previously on Reading in Church and Other Distractions. And a table might be even more of a focus than... Uh, Focus they of, wouldn't come to the of, table. They would yeah. come to the synagogue, mm-hmm. perhaps. But this you wouldn't invite a, the withered guy to the table. The withered guy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what else to call him. Is there a youth pastor? That's the withered guy. <laughs> I don't know what else to call him. He doesn't have a name. <laughs> I know, that's the heading in my Bible. <laughs> the withered guy. Jesus and the withered guy. <laughs> Did he say weathered? No, withered. He said withered. <laughs> Oh, is he, was, does he have a list? Is he a wizard? That was no, he's a withered guy. That was the alternate title for Stephen King's Thinner. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I don't know what we're going to do for the first podcast title, but the withered guy could show up <laughs> for the second. At, um, at the table. Because we, that, we could eat with him now. Yeah, we yeah, wouldn't want to eat with yeah, him before this. That's a problem. But we could eat with him now. Yeah, this is a problem. It's like, you really don't understand You're not inviting the withered guy, are you? I don't have. He's, he's not the withered guy, the withered guy I might have something that night. Is the withered guy coming? <laughs> Don't break, don't eat his potatoes, out. Mr. Withers. <laughs> you don't want to eat his potatoes. <laughs> Just the withered guy. Man. Anyway. Ew, yeah. Welcome to Reading in Church and Other Distractions with Rob and Mike. Welcome back to Reading in Church and Other Distractions. I'm Robert Wallace. I'm Michael McKeever. And these are the readings for June the 10th, 2018. Deal with it. With, which... <laughs> I'm trying, man. Which is proper five in some calendars, and it's the it's after Pentecost. I don't know what Sunday we are after Pentecost. Yeah, now, do the math. We're in the season after Pentecost, so figure it out. Uh, we're doing the readings from the the one the consecutive track. So we're in the First Samuel eight four. Just say through twenty. I don't know all that. <laughs> Ish. Uh, and then um, Psalm one thirty eight. Okay. So we're going backwards. Yeah, you got options here. I went backwards, and then for you. Second Corinthians four mm-hmm. through five and Mark three Back twenty to thirty five. So, all right, is that what you're planning on doing? Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah, I don't have any options. I just did that. <laughs> good. Clearly, if if we're doing Second Corinthians, I have no options. <laughs> That's just a fair point. Oh, <laughs> uh, we'll hope that you have had a good week. Hope you will like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, um, send us an email at readinginchurch at gmail dot com. Uh, you just got back from a vacation, yeah. So, yeah, a good? vacation from shaving. Yeah, well, we both seem to have taken <laughs> that a beard. little. <laughs> we both seem to have taken that a little bit. So, <laughs> oh, shave baticle. I'm yeah. on my shave baticle. I guess you are. Yeah, you should start easing into that. But uh, no, I don't have a whole lot. Of, our, our liturgical colleague has flown to Russia. I drove him to the oh, airport. So really? he's yeah, he's over there. Apparently, they went a couple years ago, and the visa was still good. And they thought, while the visa is still good, we ought to go back. So. Okay. <laughs> I don't How understand. many times have you said to yourself? I don't understand that reasoning exactly. All of them? But, uh, His family? All of them. Yeah. Wow. Drove all four of them. So. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So. Wait a minute. Are you available for driving people, families to the airport? No, in, in, <laughs> we were scrambling. It, well, apparently that's, he was too. I got no. the text the night before. So, oh, you know, okay. <laughs> that kind of thing. So, yep. well, if you don't have any news, I don't think I have uh, Oh, about. do we want to, when are we going to move from the silent phase of our, um, fundraising for our jet <laughs> for our better jet which for the better to upgrade the jet yeah which god told us to get wow yeah. um you sure that was god yeah I don't just know. asking yeah because we know sounds a lot like baal but yeah. to a lot of people yeah. those voices sound a lot alike i read so. what that guy said about jesus and donkeys i said apparently jesus does still use donkeys <laughs> based on what i'm hearing 
Sometimes he's forced to use donkeys. That's. I'm not going to argue with you on that. You are not wrong. No, you are not wrong. Why don't we do uh, another moment of uh, people acting like donkeys? (laughs) Okay. For Samuel Samuel 8. Yes. Okay. So many donkeys. All the donkeys (laughs) of Samuel. It's a theme. (laughs) (laughs) Where are all those donkeys? Where did the donkeys go? (laughs) Sounds like Deadliest Catch. (laughs) That's the next chapter, though. Have I ever summarized Deadliest Catch for you? No. Because we were hanging out with cousins in California. And Deadliest Catch came on. You know that's been on for like 13 it is years? forever. Yeah. yeah. Here's the plot to every every Deadliest Catch. Okay. Before we get into the scriptures. It's like, um, where'd all the crabs go? <laughs> it's like, seems like there's tension on deck with the uh, the new guy. Okay. The, uh, I forget what they call him. Hey, look at all those crabs. <laughs> is that weather getting even worse? <laughs> so it came on. I told my son this a couple days before this. Yeah. just random. And then it came out and it was boom, 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 <laughs> right through those. It's amazing. It's pretty, pretty tight yes. scene like. Yes. So obviously they got it from. Uh, hey, the, when you find the winning formula, <laughs> that's what you got with. it from the winning donkey motif. Yeah, that's in, in the next chapter. First Samuel. Okay. So, but don't jump Spoiler ahead. Spoiler alert. All right. First Samuel 8, 4 and following ish. Yeah, to 20. Stuff. Let's go. All <laughs> right. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Where'd all the crabs go? I mean, donkeys. No, no, they didn't say that. You are old. (laughs) That's a strong opening, though. (laughs) And your sons do not follow in your ways. Appoint for us, then, a king to govern us, like other nations, like the cool nations. Yeah. But the thing displeased Samuel, especially the part about being old. Yeah. When no, they said, that's my favorite part. What yeah. displeased him when he insulted yeah. his children, yeah. when he insulted his age? No, yeah. that's not what displeased him. What displeased him? It displeased him when they said, give us yeah. a king to govern. <laughs> that's what displeased him. Yeah, I know my kids Lord. are losers and yeah. I'm old, Duh. but that offended Tell me. Tell me something I don't know. Sir. Yeah. Hey, 15% car insurance. All right. And the Lord said to Samuel, listen to the voice of the people in all they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. Just as they have done to me from the day I brought them up out of Egypt to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so also they are doing to you. Now then, listen to their voice. Only you shall solemnly warn them and shall and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. So Samuel reported all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking him for a king. He said they will be these will these will be the ways of the king. This beard is really messing with my lips. <laughs> These will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots to be his horsemen. It's cucumber, blackberry, Blackberry, cucumber, club soda. Who drinks this? Yes. Uh, That's messing with your lips. Mm. Go ahead. I'm sorry. He'll appoint them to his chariots and to be his horsemen and to run before his chariots. And he will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties. And some to plow his ground and to reap his harvest, and to make his implements of war and the equipment of his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive orchards and give them to his. How do you say that word? Courtiers. Uh, courtiers. Is what I always okay. Said. <laughs> I always want to go more French with that. Courtiers. <laughs> he will take one tenth of your grain and of your vineyards and give it to his officers and his courtiers. <laughs> He will take them. He will become French. He will take your male and female slaves and the best of your cattle and donkeys donkeys, and put them to his work. He will take one-tenth of your flocks and you shall be his slaves. And in that day you will cry out because of your king, whom you have chosen for yourselves. But the midterms should go the other direction. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> but the Lord will not answer you in that day. But the people refused to listen to the voice of Samuel. They said, no, but we are determined to have a king over us. It's like you're almost there. It is. It's like a drama. So that we also may be like the other nations, the cool nations. <laughs> right. And that our king may govern us and go out before us and fight our battles. And then so, it skips ahead to ahead. Yeah. three chapters. And it says, oh, three chapters. Yeah, wow. To 11. Samuel said to the people, come, let us go to Gilgal and there renew the kingship. So all the people went to Gilgal, and there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. There they sacrificed offerings of well-being before the Lord, and there Saul and all the Israelites rejoiced greatly. Wow, that has quite a skip forward. Almost yeah. as much as from when Sammy was a kid to, <laughs> to you're old. Yeah, you are old, and your kids are worthless. <laughs> yeah. Give us a king. Um, well, yeah, this is a great. This this is the beginning of problems here. Mm, um, yes, it is. The the. The interesting thing, I, I was just actually working with this this chapter in uh, as I'm still working on my book, as you mm-hmm. know. And one of the things that struck me was how similar the Gilgamesh epic is. Oh, Gilgamesh! Um, when Ooh. they talk about making Gilgamesh king over, uh, um, huh? Because at the beginning of the, the, the one of the reasons the gods send Enkidu uh, to Gilgamesh is because Gilgamesh keeps taking all of the women, um, and then. The verses before that says, and he took all the men um, as well. Hmm. And so the assumption is he's taking the men to fight for him. And he's the taking, kings do. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, and and the people were like, you know, well, we want a king because basically, what was it? Our historian uh, friend always sums up history is um, those people over there want our stuff and we don't want them to take it. Yeah. But that's how you sum up history. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so here, once again, <laughs> so get a king. He'll take those your people stuff for over you. there. One of your stuff. Well, if we want a king, well, the king will take some of your stuff. He's just taking some of our stuff. Okay, okay we'll give okay. some of our stuff mm-hmm. to the king because yeah. we don't want to give them all of our stuff. Right. So, I mean, that's yeah. basically the, yeah. the the exchange they're History. making. History, right? Yes. Um, th- have you seen the meme that says that sums up? Uh, they've, they've got a meme that says sums up all of history. It's There's a, a meme. Yeah, there is. Sums up all of history in one scene from Pocahontas, and it just has this guy <laughs> walk up. It has the guy from Pocahontas. He says. These white men are dangerous. It's like, welcome to summing up of all history. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Anyway, um, so there are a number of parallels there and what the king is going to do and he's going to take all your stuff. I think one of the things that it's harder to see, you can maybe see it and maybe you even caught it in English, but certainly in Hebrew, um, these are the ways of the king is uh, the word mishpat, which is normally... Oh justice the way it's normally translated mm-hmm. um but also judgments of the king yes. um so these, these are the manner it might be another way to do it that's okay. where they're getting the sense of ways yeah. but but normally it's god's mishpat right it's god's ju- yeah. king kings yeah. and judgment right. were tied together just right. i mean they often gave rulings uh-huh. legal rulings um i tried to nuance that in my reading i wasn't sure which direction <laughs> to go ironic or in uh in psalm 119 god's judgments god's mishpat mm-hmm. is in parallel with um, the, uh, the, um, Torah. So, I mean, it's, yeah. it's that God's instruction. It's, these are his, this is his manner of carrying himself. Um, and so what is happening here is what Samuel is directly doing is, is highlighting, I think what God was saying is they haven't rejected you. They've rejected me. Uh-huh. And this notion of he'll want a 10th as opposed to God's typically the one who wants the 10th. Okay. And, these are his mishpat, the king's mishpat, as opposed to God's mishpat, which is righteous and justice and, and you know, lifting up these people. You're going to be slaves of these yeah. people. You're going back. There are those who want to link all of this to the time of Solomon's practice, that that, mm-hmm. that basically Samuel's, mm-hmm. you know, that this is exactly foreshadowing what happens there. But, um, but I don't know that that's the case. I really just think it's about 
kings. I mean, this is just what kings do. Mm, um, okay. I mean, this is, they take your stuff and, and the people are like, you no, know, we're worried enough. We're scared enough. You know, we're vulnerable enough. We need, we need, mm-hmm. um, this can, God has up to this point, God had tried the, uh, only going to raise people up when we need them and only, you know, yeah. no, no hereditary Small transfer government. of power. <laughs> Yes, right. Okay. Yes, that's. I think that's obviously that's the point clearly. we're supposed to take yeah. there. Yeah. But no, that he's that the judges. The idea on the judges was that when there was a need, the spirit would come and empower a judge, and the judge would then rule over Israel. But we right. saw how well that went in the book mm. of Judges. I mean, it yeah, just, spins yeah. completely out of control. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was kind of funny. We said this is when things start to go bad. Right. Oh, really? <laughs> really? Now? <laughs> yeah. It, and and so the king. I mean, on some levels in Judges. I think that the book of Judges are looking around going, well, kings would be better than this. And yeah. then when you get into Samuel, it's right. like, really, though? Mm. Are we really sure the kings are going to be better than this? Yeah. And and so it's... Most introductions to Judges say this is probably a precursor to the need for kings. Like, yeah. Really? Yeah. I mean, could, couldn't we... What if what if we cared? If we cared, wouldn't, yeah. it be, wouldn't Judges way be better? But unfortunately, yeah. people just... I mean, yeah. human nature, right? I mean, the it's... The problem it's, is, the, yeah, the system. Not us. <laughs> right. It's the system. It's yeah. not us. Um, but God is, I mean, so I really think here, clearly God is being, is Samuel is setting up that you are rejecting God. Now, God, it seems, is willing to work with Israel in this, but he isn't happy about it. And, and okay. what's weird is in um, 9 and 10, you get this different image of a slightly more positive view of kingship. In 8 and 11, you get a slightly more negative view of kingship. Oh, I mean, okay. So the, the the Bible is mixed, yeah. really, on the issue of human kingship. Yeah. Um, God's willing to work with it, um, but but not he, but but the temptation for it to lead to problems, God is saying, is too is awfully great. I mean, in the in the whole history of divided monarchy of Israel, so four hundred year history of Judah, two hundred year history of Israel, there were uh, three kings right. that were good, and only one of them was good without qualification. That was Josiah. Right. Um, so the Hezekiah and David, you know, we had had their issues okay. uh, of disobedience, but Josiah was the only one, one king, right? In in the whole history yeah. of these, most, some of them were good, except, mm-hmm. but the ones who were given good, you know, without any kind of qualification, were those three, and only two of those really, I mean, only one of those was really good, completely all the yeah. way through his his right. acts of obedience. Um, unless you read Chronicles, which nobody reads Chronicles. So um, but... Is Chronicles on a, a reboot, or is that an alternative universe? Yeah, right, exactly. That's the good question. That's what everyone's trying to figure out. Okay. Um, some have wondered if uh, perfumers for daughters is a euphemism. Oh. Um, it might be. Um, I read a couple different commentaries. One said maybe. One said absolutely not. So that tells me oh. it's possible. Yeah, it's possible. <laughs> so. That feels possible. Um, but yeah, this is what the kings are going to serve themselves instead of Torah. That's basically God's point. He's going hmm. to have the king will have his own mishpat. He's not going to follow God's mishpat. And what do so, cooks and bakers represent in this I, I think that in this case, it means cooks and bakers. A high carb yeah. diet. I do, <laughs> I do think uh, Eli's sons being wicked on the heels, or, you know, Samuel's son being wicked yeah. on the heels of Eli's son being wicked, probably. Another subtle indictment of kingship and hereditary leadership. Oh, okay. that, hereditary. You know, yeah. That sense that you know this is your huh. sons after you're going to be idiots. Yeah. Um, just as a foreshadowing of problems that are to come. Yeah. Um, with that, so interesting. Um, 
So that's what I think is happening here. God's willing to work with it. I do. Oh, one other thing I thought the way it was phrased was important. Uh, Verse 18. uh, In that day, you will cry out because of the king whom you have chosen for yourself. The Lord will not answer you on this day. Next week, I believe we're doing the call of uh, David. Okay. And one of the things that comes out in chapter 16 next week, and I'm going to mention it this week a little bit, is how God is the one making the choice there. Um, and so mm. this is, yeah. go- this is, is swinging directly at Israel's head on that. I mean, they're okay. really, they're pointing out that you pick this one. Yeah. I'm picking the next okay. one. All know, right. Is the way that that story's going. Yeah. So. And these weird processes of choosing yeah. kids. <laughs> the yeah. stories, the stories we left out. The right. whole part about the electoral college and stuff. <laughs> it's really weird stuff. Yeah, it's that's, archaic. That's, it's that's very archaic. It's unusual. It is. It's unusual. <laughs> so. Yeah, it is. There's no normal story of choosing a king or a prophet. It's mm-mm, just flying by the seat of my pants here. Yeah. <laughs> just, well, I mean, it really does so, sort of boil down to those people want our stuff. We need a king. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if it's if we're talking about Gilgamesh or we're talking about Israel. Those people over there want our stuff. And so we're going to need a king. I mean, the weird sorting process, the stories that lead up to the anointing of the king are the weird yeah. choice. Yeah. You know, some weird stuff. Casting lots or... But who am I to... Who are we to judge? <laughs> <laughs> So I don't have anything else there. Do you have? Ah, it's, it's fabulous. <laughs> wow. I mean, I was I, just aiming for acceptable. I mean, you know, it's one of the, uh, one of the very interesting parts in, in, in Samuel that, I mean, there's a lot of interesting parts, but it's a real transition, you know, yes. it's like, how did we end up here? It's a big moment. Yeah. <laughs> why, why am I in this basket? You right. know? Well, and it becomes, it becomes so important. And, and that's one of the things I've been wrestling with in my book. Cause you know, I've talked about the book being, uh, reading the old Testament through the Psalms. And that, that everything you want to talk about in the Old Testament, you can find in the Psalms, creation, patriarchs, whatever, uh, exodus, exile. And you can find kingship. I mean, kingship's all over the place, right? Yeah. God's kingship is all right. over the place. Yeah, and then, of yeah. course, human kingship with David is celebrated all over the place. Mm-hmm. But you know what's not there is divided monarchy. That mm-hmm. has been really a struggle for me, is that you oh. don't get oh. Jeroboam, Rehoboam, Josiah, Hezekiah. You don't get those stories okay. in the Psalms. You get David and his descendants, but you don't, <laughs> you don't get anything... Now you get okay. exile, you know, because okay. Dave, you're, you know, the people didn't follow your way, but you don't have real discussion of those moments and those events. Do we really so, want to talk about this? Aren't you going to force it in somehow? I, I will. I'll do what I did in the forest. Look what it doesn't talk about. Oh, there That's it is. That's what I do. There no, no, is. no. I'll just, I just have another section. Let's about address the elephant in the room. Things, things that the that psalmist there. assumes. <laughs> right. Divided monarchy. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Maybe so. that's what Selah means. Yeah, that'll, that's a better use of my time. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of psalms... Yeah, let's do the psalm. We'll just avoid the elephant in the room and we'll read the words of Psalm 138. Yes. One through eight. Rather short. A whole psalm this time, by Ooh. the way. It's exciting. All right. I give thanks. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted your name and your word above everything. On the day I called, you answered me. You increased my strength of soul. All the kings of the earth shall praise you, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth. They shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he he perceives from far away. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve me against the wrath of my enemies. You stretch out your hand, and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. 
Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. Yeah. Um, short, nice, individual psalm of thanksgiving. Uh, the first in a series of Davidic psalms. Uh, we have oh. 138 to 145 is the big finish, okay. um, right before the big doxology at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the number one uh, the introduction. Mm-hmm. 145 is an acrostic uh, wisdom psalm, I believe. Uh, and 138 is, um, it shares a lot of lexical connections with that. There really mm. is a, um, I think, an intentional uh, intertextual borrowing in this group here. I think it is a unit of Davidic Psalms that have been put together. Because mm. I mean, I believe 138 and 145 share something like 13 or 14 lexemes. I mean, these these similar words. And it's not just okay. accent. I mean, it's like steadfast love, faithfulness, answering, um, those kinds of things. Um so this is part of that that unit. Um, individual psalm of thanksgiving, though some have regarded it as uh, communal in some ways because it does feel like you're, you're uh, some have read it as thanking on behalf of the community. Um, I haven't seen that as much, but, you know, some okay. see it that way. Right. Um, the It does also share some connections to uh, Isaiah 40 to 66 and Psalm 102. And for that reason, some have seen it as having an exilic. Uh, so even though it is a Davidic psalm, it is uh, composed or put together as a, um, a remembrance of what God has done coming okay. out of exile. Is that is that implied in bowing down toward your holy temple not being? Maybe. Okay. Yeah, maybe. Now, I think that's possible. Others say, no, That's uh, this comes from a much earlier period when that would be what you did. I mean, okay. so All right. I mean, it can go either way. So this guy's bowing down, praying toward the holy place in another country, Maybe. and he's saying things like, "God is great." Maybe. Is he an extremist? He's... Should we keep an eye on this guy? <laughs> he certainly would have. I mean, been picked out randomly at the airport. Yeah, yeah it's random. Um, be completely yeah. random. The psalmist. The, he's always uh, has to go through the the, the other line. The, yeah, intense search. Um, the the center part, I think, verses four through six. You've got the Yahweh mentioned four times. In just those three verses, his name comes up. Oh, yes. uh, so that's that's important. Um, another God move regarding the lowly, but um, not paying any attention to the haughty. Total which is a God fun move. word to say. Total classic God move. Haughty. Even like he's, haughty. he's high lifted up, and he's paying attention to the lowly, and he right. doesn't pay attention to the, to the people from are, afar. He's right. afar. <laughs> Paradoxical. He is. He's close to the lowly, but pers- mm-hmm. but yeah. But not the haughty. Not the people who are who lift thinking, themselves up. Who lift themselves up, exactly. Wow. Um, do not forsake the work of your hands, the the poele of God's hands, the works of God's hands are uh, often um, miraculous deliverances. Uh, that's the way that word is often used, oh. like Exodus and... I was thinking it was self-referential or something. That's and, and, or creation. creation. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's often referring to things that God has done. Okay. Um, I remember it coming up quite a bit in my work uh, as a... You know, please have regard for the work of your hands. Mm-hmm. You know, do do something okay. miraculous for All us right. okay. uh, in that context. A um, lot of chesed here, uh, steadfast love. The word faithfulness. A whole lot of chesed. Chesed, a lot of chesed here. Yeah. Faithfulness in 138.2 is uh, emet, which is actually the word. Um, this, I don't know how much this helps us, but it's the word that gives us the word amen. Uh, that's oh, Emmet. comes from that word. Emmet comes from, from the word hmm. um, amen. Yeah, faith. Which verse? Faithfulness. Uh, two. Oh. Steadfast love and faithfulness. Uh, huh. That's all throughout the Psalms, obviously. Okay. Emmet, God's yeah. Emmet and faithfulness. Uh, um, 
Emmett. I'm saying mm-hmm. Emmett. I'm saying amen. Can I get an Emmett? <laughs> Can I have faithfulness? Um, I got a friend named Emmett. I got a friend of a friend, son of a friend named Emmett. Oh, really? I really enjoy Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. Does that? <laughs> do you know? Emmett Otter. <laughs> yeah. Okay. One of the uh, shows that Jim Henson did to see if he could actually oh. do a major film. Okay. And so it was on HBO. <laughs> did so, not see that. Yeah. Okay. See. Kermit has a bit part at the beginning, but then the rest of it are otters and it's what's the title again? Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. Okay. It's we really did, actually we did a series on Christmas movies this this advent at in my Bible in my Sunday school class, so we missed that one. It's actually nice because when you're watching it you go, Oh, they're doing the gift of the Magi. Interesting. Oh. But, but then it turns out they're not doing the gift oh, of the Magi, not. which is yeah. even better. As I implied mean, in the title. They're set, they're set, <laughs> <laughs> they're setting it up as you go you're watching it going, Okay, I've seen this movie. They're gonna do the gift I see where they're going here. They're uh, gonna do the gift of the Magi. An otter jug band. I've seen this <laughs> and then entire the genre. They deal back on you and it turns out it's not the gift of the yeah, Magi. Switcheroo. So. In fact, everyone gets nothing. No, anyway, it's a good, it's a good, it's a really good Now Christmas I'm intrigued. Thing. I enjoy it. So how do we get to Emmett Otter's Good Band? Oh, I was my fault with faithfulness. Mm. Mm. Emmett. Yes. Also the hero of the Lego movie. Emmett. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Okay. So well, truth is also a, a, a definition of that. Truth is always truth the hero. and faithfulness are from Emmett. Great. Which is where Emmett, Amen, truly, mm-hmm. barely, mm-hmm. yes, that's where mm-hmm. that, it's all. Emmett, Emmett, I say unto you. Em- Listen up, Emmett. Amen, Emmett was Emmett, not paying Emmett. attention. <laughs> it's, I believe it's Amen. Didn't even Amen make the final cut of the 12. In Greek. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why. Uh, Emmett, don't get me started. Yeah. Well, it's nice to do a whole psalm. It is. Yeah. To get the whole thing, what they're going for. It's a good one. It's revving up. I like it. Reading in Church is proud to partner with Audible.com. For you, the listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. They have over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, MP3 player. Surely you can find something interesting in all of that. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash readinginchurch. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash readinginchurch for your free audiobook. Go there today. Ready to do Second Corinthians? Why don't we read Genesis and Psalm 132? Uh, well, I could, uh, no. Let's do Second Corinthians. Okay, let's <laughs> figure out what this means. Second Corinthians 4.13 through 5.1. We'll join it in progress. Uh, joining <laughs> Corinthians already in progress. But just as we have the same spirit of faith that is in accordance with Scripture, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe and so we speak. Because we know that the one who raised Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will bring us with you into his presence. Yes, everything is for your sake so that grace as it extends to more and more people may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we don't lose heart, even though we, though our outer nature. Or outer uh, nature. No, it's outer. It's oh, outer. Okay. <laughs> is wasting away. Our inner nature is being renewed day by day. You know, as I age, I'm starting to feel that. Anyway, um, for this slight momentary affliction is preparing us for the eternal weight of glory beyond all measure. Because we look not at what can be seen, but at what cannot be seen. For what can be seen is temporary, but what cannot be seen is eternal. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. Yeah. There's a, uh, there's a, there's a quote from a psalm. Okay. Yeah. We also believe, and so we spoke. This psalm is that. It's a, it's a uh, is it 116? 
about affliction. It's the one where the psalmist is, is, is in trouble? experiencing affliction. It's that one where the psalmist yes. is in trouble? Okay. But he's maintaining his faith and his faithfulness. I gotcha. Yeah, and so uh, there's a lot of, there might be a lot of illusion for that a, uh, a Jewish audience might pick up on. Not everyone would pick up on this, but he certainly is pointing out the stops rhetorically. Yeah. That's why it's hard to enter into Second Corinthians. There's so little context provided, but yeah. there's just, there's this incredible kind of uh, rhetoric that he's using that's, that's quite elevated. Mm. And so it's hard to... Hard to drop in uh, on Second on Corinthians. It's really hard. It's like, like when someone asked me how many yeah. superhero movies did they need before they could go watch Infinity War. Yeah, well, like, it's like well, some, um... <laughs> someone walking in in the middle of the Matrix and go ask you, start asking you questions. Right, <laughs> okay. right. Who's that? Yeah, right. Why is it green? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why, yeah. Why are they fighting in a dojo? Right. What happened to gravity? <laughs> yeah, it's like that. It's like that. <laughs> But uh, there is a, might be a little uh, wordplay here. <laughs> wordplay in another language, okay? So yeah. light momentary affliction with weight of glory. What is that in Hebrew? Uh, what's the word? Uh, what's the word? Uh, kavod. Yeah, which means glory. both glory and, and weight. And heavy, yeah. Yeah, so you might be playing that, with that's that. That's true. Mm-hmm. And so light, I've heard it. There are translations, I think, that's light, not just slight, but light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory. Yeah, because heavy and glory are the same word in Hebrew. Yeah. That's clever. Yeah. I would have missed so, that. And I, I shouldn't have. Uh, I'm the one who shouldn't have. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's written in Greek, but it's like, yeah. is it, are they so multilingual that, uh, you know, this is for some people. He's not putting the cookies on the bottom shelf, you know, for everyone. Yeah. This one would be hidden behind a picture in, <laughs> in a safe, you know, <laughs> for those who can pick up on it, you know. As so well, much we do that sometimes, you know, when you're talking in class, you... You'll do some work for ourselves. For ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. That one was just for me. Right. That's, yes. That's what I wonder if he's not doing here. When we teach, uh, we teach our surveys to freshmen, sometimes people come back in a couple of years and they get it. Yeah. Right. They do. Hey, I just got that. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Okay. That was for me, but okay. Uh, I'm glad you figured it out. Yeah. So what is, um, what is that issue here? Well, this is kind of going back to what you were talking about last week and that sense of him fighting against the perception that God has, you know, rejected him because of his outward appearance yeah. versus the super mm-hmm. apostles who've got it all together and a new, new jet, really. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's and like not so, like your old crummy jet. Not, not like <laughs> the crappy get, jet that Paul has. Can only go 3,000 miles. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah, that this is him saying, but well, we know you know that this is just temporary and you can't or, or face as, that. Am I right? Or as another preacher of the good news put it, you don't have to get a lo- on a long tube with demons. Uh, right. Ooh. Right. Hello, minister of the go- gospel. Yep. 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 But we digress. Yeah, it is. It is probably the two things you could choose from. For what is this affliction he's talking about? Is this ongoing? <laughs> one would be the church. Right. <laughs> it's always a safe bet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. That's not very nice. As though. you know. <laughs> well, it, it's the it's the. Uh, I assumed it was his outer nature with the, the antecedent the for that. church and his and and his uh, and the piece, people they're chasing after as they're constantly chasing after other anyone other than Paul. But but he's the one who stays and has this relationship with them. But also, he talks. He talks at some point in the letter early on in chapter one. Talks about some horrendous experience that brought him maybe to the brink of death in Asia. So they're mm. trying to think about a life situation where he 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 writes about um, that in I think in Philippians, and it might be talking about you know Asia being Asia Minor. So yeah. it might be something that he experienced in Ephesus, mm. um, an imprisonment that we don't fully know about, or. 
some other events that it was both the uh, height of his ministry, but a lot of conflict. So was it a was it a specifically conflict, or was it something like what Axe was talking about in Troas, where he had a, a fever and the vision and all that stuff? Um, was it specifically? I don't remember. It sounds like a harrowing, life-threatening oh, okay. experience oh. in the recent past. Okay, that's still fresh in his memory, and he, and so I would have never got that, but I. But I took a little. Uh, someone brought that up in one of the commentaries I was reading, and go, "Oh, okay." Mm. Um, he does allude to that early on um, in this letter, and, okay. and it might it might be pointing to a region where, in a couple of letters, where oh, there just does seem to be indications that he might have had an imprisonment in Ephesus. We don't know about. Mm. He refers to the things he's he's the struggles he's had in that region mm-hmm. in a couple of letters. So. Uh, maybe a more significant event than we than we realized. Well, what is it? The line in uh, on that first journey, the spirit prevented me from entering into that area. I mean, we don't know exactly what that means. Yeah, and it may have been something yeah. dramatic even then. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Who I knows? don't know. But uh, you could imagine uh, having undergone really a life threatening experience. I mean, you read about that a lot in, in yeah. Paul's journeys, but this must have been significant. If this is if this is really what's informing this kind of language. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a. It's interesting how graphic it is, and I didn't catch this in reading it just simply in in English. But uh, carrying around the death, where is oh. that? Uh, hmm, maybe I was reading from uh, before this. Was that last week we were talking about that? We do not lose heart. Yeah, that might be the, yeah, le- the verses week. leading up to this. Yeah, talking about ca- carrying, carrying around in the, our body, the death that was last week. Yeah, that's pretty. I didn't get into that, but it's pretty pretty gruesome. Some of the language is quite graphic, like literally, you know, rotting, evoking images of a rotting, stinking corpse. I'm mm. thinking, wow, really? Wow. I didn't catch that when we looked at that. But uh, I don't know if uh, these people are confronted with that sort of thing mm-hmm. as life is short and brutal, particularly under the Roman Empire. Right. Uh, and uh, it is uh, what he what we hear about in his kind of typifies his ministry is so difficult. And if there's something even more difficult than that that we don't know, you know, I can imagine that can really reorient your your thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, as well as his gospel is quite at odds with the default thinking or the syncretism at right. Corinth. Of uh, uh, we're going to skip the. Uh, the uh, the lowly part, and we're going to be resurrected right now, right? And uh, we're going to triumph and and only fly in the best jets, and we're king's kids. Seems like to be a perennial problem, is what the, we're yeah. People have changed so much. Yeah, yeah, because the language in Corinthians is that uh, being nobly born and and enriched and uh, kings and mm. ruling and being raised, and it's not uh, that far from some. Uh, misinterpretations of the gospel today. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's really not. Um, but this is also in keeping with Greek philosophy that would talk about uh, another thing that might be, if he's, doing a, if he's doing more than one thing at once, which he seems to always be doing, he might be making a pun based on kabod with, uh, no, not kabod. Kabod. Maybe playing with that, but also there's a sense that uh, the... Soul is light in a Greek thought, and if yeah. you just becomes uh, unencumbered by the body, right, then it can be ascend. Right, that's and whereas the Greek that's notion. that's kind of the starting point for you know Greek worldview or a philosophical uh, perspective or anthropology, and he's kind of playing with the opposite. It's like no, it's it is that that affliction, that weight of the body, yeah. and participating in Christ's suffer that that uh, 
that is evidence both of his apostleship and of the, the and glory to come. And he's moving on from that at the end of this. I mean, he's he's reinforcing that. He doesn't say that, you know, the soul the, escapes or we move on. Mm-hmm. He says, you know, when this earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we yeah. have a building right. from God. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we're not... We're not trying to release this tent right. so we can achieve freedom. Exactly. We're releasing this temporary into the the more permanent and corruptible. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Yeah, and the, and, it, and even when he talks in his letters about that time um, when you don't have a body, when yeah. you know after after death, it's a pre it's a precursor to resurrection and right. and embodied life, which is the from Genesis to Revelation is right. the biblical view that you live life in a body and, and are, it's all good. Creation is all good, and God will. Redeem it all. It's not going to dispense with any of it. The tent is what I, I like that this life is the tent and the resurrection body is the building. I mean, that God has made. Yeah. That, that, yeah. That that's the, that's okay. the one that matters as opposed yeah. to the, you know, the temporary that he, that he's in the building of, right. He's a tent maker, yeah. right. He's, he does yeah. these things. So it's not, it's not mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. This, the, this is what God has built for mm-hmm. us. Yeah. You know, that's the one that matters mm-hmm. is this post-resurrection. And in other apocalyptic literature, there is a contrast between tent and uh, this might, I don't know how much this might be a critique of, you know, kingship where, where you have Solomon, who's a bad king in many ways, uh, who establishes the temple. And in apocalyptic literature, it's the temple always descends from heaven. God Mm -hmm. is the one who's going to build that Mm -hmm. temple. And that's kind of, there's something going on, right? With the Yeah, absolutely. You know, and David, David, uh, I'll build, who's going to build you a house? Yeah, right. Who's going to build who a house? Who asked you for a house? I didn't ask you for a house. So there is this, there is this sense that in a, in in looking to that end eschatological perspective, the end of the age where God establishes his temple, he's, he's drawing upon that broader uh, literature to talk about the uh, the gloriousness of the bodies that will yeah. that will inherit, so it's it's so multi level. It is. There's a lot going <laughs> with on. With no here. context, very little context. Yeah. Kind of need to start reading at uh, Corinthians and and realize the complex nature of this relationship, the fickle nature of this congregation, and then realize. And then and we're then going the, to skip ahead, right? And this is ongoing complex conversation. And this assumed context, the references that they that Paul feels comfortable they're going to get. Yeah. And that we yeah, don't, or at know, least some yeah. That we we're just not in that. We're listening to one side of a cell phone conversation, mm-hmm. and, and it's pretty eloquent. It, but, and it's rhetoric that right. that works in a Hebraic and a Greek context. You yeah, know? now that's interesting that he can yeah. speak in both of those contexts yeah. at the same time. It is very interesting. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm just I, I, as someone who is working in frequently now in other culture with another culture and the Latino mm-hmm. population mm-hmm. said doing something that speaks to yeah. both yeah. cultures is that's really hard. I've yeah. had to, on numerous occasions, I've had to contact, you know, my, my resources and say, okay, here's what I want to do. Is there something analogous that we can do with this? I mean, is there some kind of, mm-hmm. you know, came up in my Facebook feed when you and Izzy were preaching and he's translating that one. Yeah. He's got his phone and yeah. it's like you guys are doing a rap or something. <laughs> it does look like a rap battle. Here's the church. Here's the people. <laughs> open the doors. It here's really the does. Open the doors. Here all it the does look like a rap Church battle. growth, I think I said. Hashtag yeah. church growth. <laughs> yeah. Seminar. But Yeah, that is, that's, that is, uh, when you can do that, that's pretty good. Yeah. You know, when nice, you can do it in more nice than one language. Yeah. yeah. If you can do it in one language, that's good. If you can do yeah. it in more than one, that's impressive. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's impressive. I think that's what he's saying. You guys should be more impressed with me. That's right. These are actually the credentials of a real minister. This affliction. 
Yeah, that's still something I don't want to talk too much about. No, no, <laughs> no. Given the things that he mentions, right. what is he not mentioning here? Right. My goodness. It's wasting away. But, you know, that's okay, because inside I'm not wasting away. Wow. Sure, I mean, outside, obviously. Yeah, but, yeah. But. Yeah. Man, oh, man. It's heavy. You ready to do uh, Mark 3? Yeah. All right. This is an interesting text. Mark 3, 20 to 35. And the crowd came together again so that they could not even eat. I don't quite. You know, everyone's uh, in the kitchen. Okay. And trying to get a that meal is frustrating. The table. All right, just get out of the kitchen and let me finish. That's mm-hmm. my. Th- anyway, when his family heard it, they went out to restrain him, where people were saying he's gone out of his mind. Yeah. And the, were the people, the members of his family, or were other people saying this and they're trying to keep shame from that coming That is a little debate, okay. but probably more peripheral because of uh, later church traditions. But okay. the, 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 the normal understanding would be his family saying His family is saying yeah. exactly. Yeah. Okay. And the scribes who came, out, came down from Jerusalem said, he has Beelzebul. And by the rumor of de- mm-hmm. ruler of demons, he cast yeah. out demons. Mm-hmm. And he called to them and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan cast out Satan? That's not the best parable he's ever told. But oh no, no he's going on. No, verse twenty-four. <laughs> keep going. If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand. But his end has come. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his property without first tying up the strong man. Then, indeed, the house can be plundered. Truly, I tell you, people will be forgiven for their sins and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit can never have forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they had said he has an unclean spirit. On this, ask your youth pastor about what that means. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Then his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called to him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brother and sisters are outside asking for you. And he replied, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. Very interesting stuff. So, yeah, you know, this is a common sort of meal situation. Lots of people can barely get together to eat. And then suddenly you're talking about Satan and accusations are exchanged. And uh, I mean, how how is Thanksgiving at your house? I don't know how you do it. (laughs) It's it's, it's Satan doesn't come up as much as I imagine. Yeah. Well, you're doing that by Beelzebub. Beelzebul. Beelzebul. Yeah, this is is good. Pass the cranberry sauce, please. Beelzebul is Hebrew for Baal is prince. Beelzebub is Lord of the Flies. Is Baal of the Flies. And is more uh, familiar. It Beel- is. Hey, Beelzebub bub. is, hey, is bub. more familiar. Because most people assume that the Hebrew scribes changed it from Baal is Prince, because you don't want it to say Baal is Prince, because that's not a good thing to say when you're copying the Bible. No. Uh, so okay. you change it to Baal of the Flies, since mm-hmm. what is Lord of the Flies? Yeah. But well, you don't have to get too graphic. Okay. Piles of... Yes, and so that's the point. It's the crappy God that, that is what they're saying. <laughs> he's God. he's calling him out by the crappy God. You're doing this by the crappy God. Yes. <laughs> so. Nuh-uh. And then he told him a parable. Nuh-uh. Nuh-uh. <laughs> I told him a parable. How can Satan cast out Satan? That's not your strongest parable, Jesus. I'd go with prodigal if it was me. <laughs> I'm not done. I'm not done. <laughs> Wait, stay with me. For example. <laughs> This is a major transition. Uh, now, we just came off a major uh, change, right? Everybody's ready to kill him now. Yeah. That happened last Yeah, time. yeah, earlier in the chapter. Right. Um, so you have a cycle of ministry ending with um, 
conflict in the synagogue, and uh, they it's risen to the level where they're gunning for him. He's in the crosshairs, and uh, a re- basically a rejection by the leaders, by his own people. Mm-hmm. Um, as a, and there are even more of his own who are rejecting him here or, or don't understand him. Um, and then you, the response on Jesus' part is to choose new leaders, to right. choose the twelve, which is which kind is of a, just immediately prior to this is yeah, the choosing of the twelve, a provocative thing, yeah, and also um, broader ministry to the point where there there's throngs to where the point where he gets has to get in a boat and um, preach, but it's kind of a summary or proleptic because you don't hear about that till later. But then there's a there's a lot of getting into boats and crossing waters right. and. In Mark, that's some, that has something to do with expanding mission to Gentiles. I never got that before, but I never made the connection to like, oh, when did he first get into the boat? It's when this ministry begins to overflow, uh, and there's people from regions within Israel and outside of Israel mm, that show up. Like Tyre and Sidon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and some other places listed next time he gets in the boat. So it is uh, it is a symbol that, that carries over, and there's a cycle of... Um, there's, there's a cycle of... Um, Ministry. Oh, now I'm going to forget where he goes in three and four. The cycle of ministry and sandwich structures. You know, yeah. there's these. Mark loves Mark, the he loves yeah, his, ABBA. Yeah, and and that's kind of what's going on here. It's his family on the outside the house mm-hmm. at the beginning and the end, and then his parable or his response to people inside the house. And he's talking about kingdoms and households being divided. Mm. And it's like, well, that's interesting. That's clearly intended to say something. <laughs> yeah. So what is he his saying? His house is divided. His uh-huh. own personal household right. is. And divided. then it eventuates with a new definition. But of now family. he says, no, it's not because yeah. this is my. House. Yeah. Well, my it's family. like how, how, how thoroughly is he being rejected? You know, his own rejected him in terms of Israel. Right. But what is his family saying? It's like, hey, your family's outside. They left out the part about, and they think, and they think you're, think you're crazy. crazy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So there is a, it's an interesting um, tension between the inner and outer parts of this, this sandwich structure that, that uh, Mark, you know, we'll see it, we'll see it in a healing sort of sandwich structure mm-hmm. in four, I think, which comes after this. Uh, and it's clearly, you know, Mark showing his hand in terms of being a good storyteller. Yeah. Um, and it, it, uh, it, it comes up a lot. In, um, you know how they you said uh, about Culpepper when he did his book on John on reader on narrative criticism yeah. and reader response sort of stuff. If you look at what they're doing in Mark first, yeah. yeah. Well, the people who are doing stuff first in Mark, they always talk about this, and it gets people into reader response uh, uh, ways of reading. That is, uh, what do you bring to the text? Yeah, what are your presuppositions uh-huh. that that you're bringing to the text? And that is that is uh, something I revisited in a book called Let the Reader Understand, which is a very good treatment of that by Robert. M. Fowler, I think his name is. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe on the shelf over there somewhere. I think it's on my shelf too. Yeah, and he talks about he talks about it's a it's a contrast between you know if you say this is clearly Mark, this is a clear structure. Well, it's clear when you visually put things out. Yeah. As a, listening to a story, you might encounter it a bit different, mm. and it also highlights that this clear structure. No one agrees on what it means. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. no two scholars. Right. And. It's a good it's a good jumping off place for saying, well, how does scripture function? Does it does it make one determinative meaning or is it something we experience because of what we bring to it? Mm-hmm. Not saying it's an open-ended sort of uh can mean anything. But to what degree is the scripture uh function 
for for readers and audiences as in terms of uh, this encounter with like you're left you're unsettled mm-hmm. and the the carpet is pulled out from underneath you yeah. and and you you experience what it's like to you think you're going to be an insider it's like Jesus starts at this point he starts to tell parables to this new family right it's like oh good because I don't understand what you're saying you're going to explain this and yeah. then it's like what he explains doesn't help it doesn't help and then suddenly you feel like an outsider so you get to the end of. Uh, well, of, just, of Mark, and it's like, does anyone understand? I thought the the family, the new family, is going to get it. Well, you don't see any indication it. of that. No, and and the other part that is interesting is that this. I was I was just thinking about you talking about him, um, expanding like in the boats, right, and expanding, um, expanding the ministry, mission. yeah, uh-huh. Edomia and Tyre and beyond his own sire, beyond his own. And so then, what do we have here? The same thing. The people who you would have expected to benefit the most from Jesus yeah. being Messiah would be family, right? I mean, you would yeah. assume mm-hmm. you always take care of yours, yeah. right? Well, yeah, that's the expectation. And, and here he's not taking care of his. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his are trying to take care of him. They think he's making a fool of himself, so yeah. they're going to try and rein him in so he doesn't. Yeah. But then he rejects that and yeah. appoints a new, new people that he says are going to be the insiders who mm-hmm. are going to benefit, and they aren't the ones you would expect who are doing that. And, of yeah. course, they don't get yeah. it. Yeah. Well, and this cycle begins here, and it ends with the Sermon in Nazareth, okay, mm, where right, his where hometown to, rejection. Right, rejected. In between that is a lot of teaching for this new family, and so it's a really it is clearly delineated. Like, oh yeah, this is a new section where he's saying for his new people, here's the teaching for right. them. So it's very interesting, uh, you know. Whereas Mar- whereas Luke puts that up front, right, and it is it's very overtly like, hey, this guy's doing the new jubilee stuff. This guy's going to inaugurate this new era. That is going to be good for the hometown. You know, isn't this right. Joseph's son? It's like, and that's the very mindset that he brings to the service. He provokes, and mm-hmm. and you know, he provoked him because they they try to drag him, him and throw him yeah. out of a cliff. You know, so yeah, it's interesting that that is clearly later in his ministry and uh, the way these different gospel writers deal with that. But clearly. Mm-hmm. We have some some new section here, but it's interesting. The uh, it's fascinating this tension between he's talking about with the coming of the kingdom of God. It's not Beelzebul who's uh, who's uh, plundering his own kingdom, but right. it's uh, it's the the stronger one that John spoke of. You know, mm-hmm. who's coming after him. And and uh, although we didn't read about it in the wilderness, evidently something's happened in the right, wilderness. That's what, what you he's were trying. pointing out earlier, yeah. that the strong man has been bound, yeah. and once he has, you can do stuff. And we don't know about that, except that we know he went into the wilderness yeah. where he was tempted by Satan. So right. apparently he got him bound there. Yeah, yeah, he's out there, <laughs> gagged and bound. Yeah. Yeah, so he's uh, he's triumphing. Uh, he's, we know he triumphed somehow in the wilderness, and we've seen him triumph in all these other contexts. These people are clearly misreading that triumph. as. Uh, He's doing it by the power of Satan. Quite yeah. the quite the opposite. But this this curious imagery of a divided kingdom or a divided household really kind of raises the stakes uh, in terms of this outer conversation of uh, the constraints of uh, a family. And in that culture, that's, that's probably everything. one of the most important yeah. constraints on your life. It absolutely is. So you, th- you can think about. I mean, he doesn't drop the fourth wall as much as other you know gospel writers. Certainly, John. But you think about someone who may have left home right. and left family to follow Jesus. And they probably are saying things like he's crazy, you know? Yeah. And Well, I, yeah. I mean, in any kind of culture where you have this kind of identity, when identity is based so much on, I mean, I, I think I may have told the story before, uh, but it's what I use in my book to talk about tribal understanding is mm-hmm. the difference between my wife and my wife's family yeah. and myself, yeah. you know, and my, 
one of the reasons that my mother-in-law objected to our marriage was because, and she told Cindy, I, we don't know his people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was that sense in which if you know their people, you know who they are. And, yeah. and it was such a, a huge break for Cindy to marry yeah. an outsider, to move away. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, people thought she was crazy to go to Texas. People thought she was crazy to you know, live up here by Chicago. I uh-huh. mean, it's, it's, well, those, I could understand that. both <laughs> those, of those. Those, uh, <laughs> it, it is a, it, it, it it's just completely foreign when you're in a place uh, where family defines yeah, identity, yeah. And, you know, for that kind of idea to, mm-hmm. to have live a sort of transient lifestyle doesn't make any sense. And so, no. I mean, I can, I can understand that, you know, Jesus is not making, any, we've got to do something about it. We've got to help. Yeah. He's forgotten what it is to be part of a family. Right. And, and uh, then he, he says, no, I haven't oh, forgotten. No, no, I got, I got a new friend. Got a new one. Oh, yeah. you know, it's not, yeah. it's not making it, things easier, Jesus, when you do that. No. <laughs> and if you don't get it, you're on the outside. Yeah. So, um, you got to talk about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit thing, you know. You can't just yeah. The reason I said roll past the reason that. I said ask your youth pastor on this is like it seems like people in they, high school they do they or want to know that new in college that's that's the burning issue. It's yeah, like, I want to make sure I haven't blasphemed the Holy Spirit. Oh, you do? Okay, well then you probably haven't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the, this is if you look back over, say, you know, early part of his ministry, basically it's saying how is he how is he doing this? Is this of God or is this not of God? And you attribute this the work of the Spirit to to Satan. Um, you're kind of putting yourself on the outside of what God is doing. Yeah. Okay. So it's not like, oh, there's one thing you can't, there's one landmine out there that you don't know where it is, but if you step on that one, you know, you're, yeah. that's an, you're, you're dead. Unforgivable. Yeah. Unforgivable. No, it's saying to reject the offer of salvation. It's like, well, what else is left? Mm-hmm. You know, if God, if you, if you reject the help being sent, then it's not, uh, it's, it's not, uh, capricious. It's saying it's, it's fundamental to God's saving project. You know, you're yeah. rejecting that, you know, and, and uh, his, his Messiah and, his, and the messengers that he'll send out, you know, who are really in question here, you know, who are questioning, like, oh, everyone does think I'm crazy too. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it is, uh, it is basically saying rejecting the work of God, if you, if you attribute that to Satan. It's not, it's not as much the... Attribution to Satan, but it's the uh, rejection of of the means of salvation. Yeah, you know, um, yeah, you are you are removing yourself from that that benefit. <laughs> it's mm. not it's not not God removing you. Yeah, so that'll satisfy everyone in your. Yeah, I know everybody will be happy with that answer. <laughs> yes, so, well, you had to talk about it. You just have everybody to, wants to. You have to read. You well, whoa, good question. Let's read Mark one through three. Get some context. <laughs> now that's not what I'm asking. Context is important. Yeah, yeah, um, it is. Yeah, you got to read this in context. So how how big are these uh, the brackets for Mark? Because we've got the brackets here. On you know family family with 64, parable in the middle sixty four teams I think and then <laughs> and then sixty eight when you do playing games okay um but then this story is bracketed by the water the boat story right I mean you've got yeah. teaching in the boat and then another boat mm-hmm. and then I, mean, I don't know do the brackets get any bigger I mean well, I'm just wondering that that's another thing that Fowler talks about he says everyone talks about chiasms and chiasmus these inverted parallelism. Yeah. Except no rhetorical tradition ever talks about those. So we talk about We it. talk about them. And well, do they do them without us talking about them? I mean, that's like they, saying... They could, 
I mean, Mozart never talked about music theory, but all of his yeah, work that's, that's true. fits into music theory notions. He doesn't have parallel fifths. Well, you he, know? what he where he goes is um, we 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 encounter it that way probably more because we're a visual culture and we can yeah. see it. Yeah. But in the linear progression of a story, do you are you looking at the whole? Do you? I think you I, do. I do make an Don't argument you? for retro you know, prospective and retrospective yeah. readings, or is it the resounding of a theme? Is, does it evoke the whole? I, I don't know. I think I, mean, it, I think it's both, really. I, I wasn't going to say this, but I'm going to say it now because I was thinking about it earlier when you were talking about this. No, don't say no, it. No, I'm saying it. I'm saying okay. it. I don't care. I'm crazy. Okay. Um, but I was thinking about something like Doctor Who. Oh, I often go oh, there. Oh, boy. I often go there. glance at the clock. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but one of the, the things that is sort of a, a recurring theme in Doctor Who is that whenever do- the Doctor has defeated the evil aliens, it's always the best episodes are always when he is using their strength against them. Okay. Right? That, that something happens at the beginning of the episode that you're aware of, they do okay. this, it seems insurmountable, yeah. mm-hmm. you can't possibly get around it. It's a and, setup. And then at the end of the episode, this power is present all the way through, but at the end of the episode, this power is present and it gets doubled back on itself mm-hmm. and it uses that power against. And it, it actually turns out that, I mean, there's, okay. There's, Are you thinking of Doctor Who or Star Trek where I, Kirk I, makes no, the no, robot's no, heads explode no, no, with logic? No, no, I'm thinking, no? Of, okay. I'm thinking of Doctor Who. Uh, the, the episode <laughs> in particular mistake. that I'm coming, that, that I think about is episode called, uh, from seasons, series six called The Impossible Astronaut. And, um, and Again, Day of the Moon. James T. Kirk. And okay. one, the, the, the thing is, one of the aliens, uh, the, the power this alien has is that anytime you're not looking at them, you forget about them. Oh, um, that they have the power. When you look at them, you see them and okay. you're terrified and then they give you a suggestion. And then when you look away, all memory of them is gone, but that suggestion remains and you end up doing what they say. So they're controlling the world basically uh, by post hypnotic suggestion okay. as they go through this. And you're like, well, how do you defeat that? How do you defeat an enemy mm. that, you know, you can't even remember they're there when you turn away. And what ends up happening is the doctor ends up spoiler alert. So turn off if you don't want to okay. happen. The doctor ends up recording them saying, you should have shot us all on site. Oh. And then plays that during the moon landing. So all of Earth sees this and they don't realize they've oh. seen it because as soon as the, dis- the video disappears, they've forgotten they've seen it. But now they are, when they do see the aliens, their first reaction is to kill them. Oh. So he actually takes this in, you know, in power that you couldn't possibly get around and uses that power against. And at the end, you know, I made that connection, right? I saw that mm-hmm. coming. I saw yeah. that this... You know, here's something at the beginning. It brings it back at the end, and I go, "Wow, that was really mm-hmm. well done." I mean, so yeah, I things think, like that. <laughs> I think I it's possible. I think they're. I think they function. I think they do function. But I don't. But people are always arguing for the controlling. You know, oh, the, the, well, the controlling structure. Whereas there's a structure? there's a layered okay. kind of a layering of structures. Um, I think so. I don't. I don't know if there's a. Everyone always seems to always argue for a master structure. Oh, well, yeah. And and it always misses well, something. Well, pre-postmodern people did that, right? Now now you don't find as many yeah, postmodernists so. yeah. looking for meta-narratives and less controlling so. structures. And, yeah, and uh, yeah. you could say there's a – and uh, Fowler in his book talks about Henry James' story, The Figure in the Carpet, mm-hmm. where it's really – it's a story about um, about – the uncontrollableness of a narrative oh. and a literary critic who's trying to understand it. And, and the author dies and his friend gets it and his friend dies and he's, he's trying to nail down the meaning and everything about the story itself is saying there's a, 
it's actually layers and layers. It's like a, it's like the, the master image in a Persian rug is one of yeah. the, one of the, the it's a, a metaphor in the story, uh, but it's not the controlling metaphor. <laughs> uh, and there's a, there's actually a guy, oh, the guy studied, I just, I did this flashback as I was reading um, Fowler last night, Sherman Johnson. I think I mentioned Sherman Johnson way a long time ago on the podcast. He was, I think Christopher Stindall did his dissertation oh, okay. under Sherman Johnson. Well, I, I read, Greek Fathers with Sherman Johnson at Berkeley. Wow. And I said, like, this guy, everyone reveres this guy. What is his backstory? Yeah, so right. He made a comment about uh, it's like layers of layers of patterns in a rug, which is kind of, he said that long, bef- long before anyone's thinking about, you know, yeah. reader response. He's just saying, I think we're missing something in times where we're with our historical philological tools right. to nail down meaning. It's like, that's really not how a good storyteller tells a story. That's true. Um, That's true. They leave enough room for for different people's stories to interact with mm-hmm. them. Um, I've been when I was out in California, I had a, a rental car and had a satellite uh, radio. Mm-hmm. So someone had told me that there's this station called the Tom Petty station. There is, and I've been interested in Tom Petty since he died. I've always thought he's good, but I didn't realize how good he was because his t- songs seemed so simple. Yeah. But people at his concerts, they all sing along. They know all the words because they're singing their story somehow. Mm-hmm. He leaves a lot of room in those stories. They're all, you know, most yeah, of the songs are stories. Well. So, uh, uh, you know, it comes back to Tom Petty. It was, <laughs> I thought Dr. Who, but okay, Dr. Tom Petty. Dr. Tom Petty. That's cool. Yeah. That's but it doesn't cool. have to be one. <laughs> one which is the controlling image, yeah, <laughs> Which is the controlling, the doctor. Yeah. Yeah. So this is an interesting, uh, an example of what you will find throughout Mark and the kind of way he presents this gospel that is um, sometimes disturbing. It disturbs you as a reader. It's like, what is going on here? Um, There's a lot. There's clearly a lot going on. There may not be one thing going on. Uh, I resonate with people who are struggling. and I want to be an insider and understand and, mm-hmm. and do the right thing. But I, increasingly, as I f- try to follow Jesus throughout this story, I'm finding myself struggling like the, like the disciples, disciples you know, yeah. who at the end of the story, they don't complete, you know, the commission. And so you're kind of left wrestling with that at the end. Okay, now, I'm, now I want to bring this back to the composition, you know, the, the, the audience that the Gospel of Mark is written for. How mm-hmm. are they reading the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? I mean, this is a, hmm. would they have heard that as... Those of you who have rejected Christ in favor of emperor worship but now want back in, sorry, there's no forgiveness. Or are they hearing that, you know, you're not out, you haven't, you know, you still want to participate in this? That's interesting, because it, it, be, it would be a warning. You know, when he chose the 12, right? and they say, and Judas, who betrayed him, it's like, just because you're in right. doesn't, mean doesn't mean the potential you're... isn't there for falling and, right. and failing and betraying. Right. But at the end of the story— there's this there's this image of a restored disciple in my reading, yeah, and a reminder to Peter that he who's blown it, who has failed, right, tremendously, that there's that, there's that, that new beginning, right, just like you know there's that. So new that the beginning. Peter message would be one of one of hope. Yeah. I mean that, yeah. that Peter's in that story for those in that community yeah. who perhaps have denied, yeah, and now mm-hmm. that there is a way back yeah. in. And and like you say, the the boy who fled away without mm-hmm. his garment is yeah. then at right. the tomb with the garment. Yeah, and, and oh, you were, yeah, it's told in a way that reminds you. That reminds you of that, right? Scenes, yeah. And that so so then how is this hurt? I mean, whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit can never have forgiveness. Yeah, I don't know. Because <laughs> <laughs> that I'm not a youth pastor. I know. I know. Me? 
But that's that's <laughs> now that's curious to me because because uh, that is I mean if the point of this is to minister to that community uh-huh. that phrase I could go a lot of ways comfort and afflict I yeah. don't know maybe it's both you maybe know it is there's, a, there's there's you know the choosing of the twelve and the one and who betrayed Judas it. but and Peter Judas. right but I mean Peter, that's, yeah that's where we are uh, here it's like I don't know if it's both if it's wow. is, is it uh, is it good preaching which is doing both. Well, I guess if you say I don't know, I've asked a good question. So. Yeah, I tell you, I I uh, I am marvel at uh, how I can have a specialty in the Gospels, and you know, this isn't the heart of my specialty. But it's like, wow, I thought I was thought I had a handle on this Mark guy, but yeah, he's, he's slippery. He is <laughs> clever. Yeah, clever. Well, thanks so much for listening this week. Hope that you have had a good week. Glean something from it. Make sure and follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and uh, we will be doing this this summer doing all that we can to make yep. sure that we can have our weeks maybe catch up a week ahead at some point yeah uh, I now think that, that you're back i'll yeah. be back we might be able to do that so yeah so have a great week have a great week blessings